There are things in this world and apart from it that man was not meant to know. Unseen blasphemies that stalk between the shadows of our waking world and nameless untold horrors that inhabit our dreams as we close our eyes each night. There are those who seek out these terrible mysteries and their curiosity has been rewarded without exception with madness and death, and for the least fortunate, the unassailable knowledge that humanity's place in the universe is as that of an insect to the common man. We now present a story of one of these unfortunates. Welcome to Tales from the Black Vault. The air was thick and I was breathing deeply, but I knew it was coming to my last one. It was dark. The ice above us was so thick. I'm, I'm sorry. I know better than to start this last passage this way, but... I'm on board the USS Sunfish, deep beneath the Arctic. I believe to be the last survivor of our submarine. The sound emanating from the world outside is, is rich. I've locked myself deep in the torpedo bays. And as I sit here, I think, how did I get here? A mere lieutenant, a stupid sonar. Why did I listen? It started just three months ago. We're on a normal listening outside of Vilsic in the Northern Arctic. Europe, I missed my wife. I shouldn't have been thinking these things, but I wasn't paying attention, and then it happened. The sonar picked up what, <laughs> right out of Hunt for Red October, a magma displacement. We knew it was something, a small earthquake, but by the time we finished it, and I turned to <sighs> Staff Sergeant Jensen, our Marine Corps advisor, he was an expert in all things sound. He'd actually come from Netherlands, I believe. He was brilliant and savvy for an enlisted personnel. And with two degrees, who would argue with him when it comes to knowledge of sound? Well, I think this should end our measurement for today. Good work as always. If I can convince the captain, I would go nearer and take some more accurate measurements of the whole thing. Well, I'll back you on that. We can approach him. Uh, captain Danforth is one of those guys that everybody believes in. He knows what's best to do, and he's been doing this for 20 years. Let's go talk to him. Fair enough. Captain Danforth, uh, if we could have a minute, sir. I'm halfway through this cigar. You know how hard it is to get a cigar on a submarine? Y yes, sir. I, you I, wanted to see me? I apologize, sir. Yes. Uh, we, we believe we found something that's worthy of note. It's our first real contact magma displacement. It's coming from north of our position and there's no there's no land and it's not the ice sounds we're used to something's emanating a noise from there a sound a pulse if you will our marine expert will be able to speak to it better i apologize well uh i would like to go and investigate from a closer distance and i i know it is not in our uh, official duty roster to do that but uh, and what is our duty roster well patrol do you think this magma poses a threat 
to international security? I think it's the opposite, sir. If we can understand what's making this pulse and sound, we'll be able to make sure we can make it distinct in our database so that we know when we see it, it is not a submarine and rule it out in the future. You know what the number one cause of military death is? No, sir. Curiosity. However, I'm inclined to grant your request. Thank you, Captain Downforth. We stood in the sonar. It's a, a small room, four people only. Our marine expert leaning over the top and... <laughs> Angie, I call her Angie, I shouldn't do it. Her name is Lieutenant Dale. And for some reason, when we first met, she said, my name's Angie, and that's... I know it's stupid. I don't think it's stupid. You can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's what I always say. And she did. She said that all the time. The other thing that Angie did was some ability to know the database, to kind of hear things in the water before anybody else could. And I've seen her run from her bunk in the middle of the night all the way to the sonar just to show up and say, I heard something. And we're all dumbfounded by it. So, uh, uh... You know, I was getting some potato chips earlier, and I heard something weird. Well, we've looked at all the channels. Everything we're seeing on the sound waves and sound frequencies suggests there's nothing out there. Uh, you know, a little north? Uh, Seaman, would you please check that out? Aye, sir. And he did. Before we knew it, we were moving very far north. Not as far as the North Pole, but we had basically found the source of the sound, and it was coming... <laughs> Not from the earth itself and not from the ice, but as if it was trapped within the ice. So this sounds weird, but it's not a geological sound. Not a geological sound? Yeah, it doesn't sound like, you know, earth, water, that kind of thing. It sounds different. I have to agree with uh, Lieutenant Dale. Uh, these signals are very uncommon. I'm not quite sure what to make of it now. I will run them through the uh, computer and see what it spits out. Within three days, we had our answer. We had lost all communication with the outside world. Seaman Michaels had instituted a policy that we would check in on a regular basis. We were not really a secret submarine mission. We were an exploratory mission, and it was strange that he couldn't contact anyone. Yeah, it's, it's, real, it's real weird, you know. The radio, it's just, it just doesn't seem to be working, you know. I'm trying to make a regular report, and I'm not getting anything. Real weird. That's not the kind of answer I want. I want answers. If the equipment is broken, it's your responsibility to tell me what's wrong with it. Not that it's weird and throwing your hands up in the air. You wear a cross around your neck. Are you a man of faith? Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, I'm not. So, there'll be no faith on this submarine. I want to know cold, hard facts, and I want them before I'm done with this cigar. The worst thing that can happen on a submarine is a cascading series of items failing. First, it was the communications, <laughs> and as if predictably, the engines were next. The captain was living. What do you mean? What do you mean we're stuck? The engines are at 3.7%, sir. Uh, well, at least someone's precise. Can you bring us up to the surface? I'm tired of being trapped in the ocean with nowhere to go. It had been three days more, with the engines off and running on battery, and no ability to move the ship up or down. It was funny to see the captain the way he was. He had actually broken out a bottle of scotch. I think he was doing it for the men. Anyone who can match me drink for drink, we're on a commendation when we return home to land. I'll take that on. <laughs> I'll take that too. All right. 
I'll take you both on at the same time. Me two drinks, you each one. Here we go. And the captain won handily. You think you're big stuff because you're a captain and I'm a... And here's the thing. When I can't sleep at night, it's the noises. It's just the noises. What do you mean noises? Our equipment's broken, isn't it? from the ice. It's not from... I can hear things. What's she prattling on about? Well, sir, the sonar is working fine. It's the communication out and the ability to move the ship and the engines. We're on your magna flow or whatever it was. Well, I think I think our marine expert has a different opinion now. Have you heard of the uh, the tale of Atlantis? Oh, come on! Well, it is not Atlantis I'm talking about. It is about the way land appears and disappears over time often caused by great shifts in the Earth's crust or by tsunamis or by other geological effects. I think we're witnessing something like this, and it would be most useful for science to observe it from close distance. So I would like to volunteer to use the small detachable research vessel to go down, maybe with our sonar expert, to take a look. And on our way back, we can check the outside of the submarine for damages and we catch two flies. There's so much wrong with the scenario, I don't know where to begin. But as we are trapped like rats in a small cage, and there's no one to hear us, by all means, if you can find something that's causing our ship's malfunction, then, well, I'm for it. As we set forth in our small, two-person submergible, it slipped the ship, and as it did, the keening sound we heard outside was like no other and the noise was horrendous our ears hurt and we covered them but we could still hear it you know i i wasn't quite honest with you lieutenant dale is absolutely correct this is no geological sound you lied to the captain he would have never let us go if i told him that there's something out there that is alive and moving he would try and shoot it or do some other crazy stuff We need to see it. We need to get close to it, and if we can communicate with it, this is a one-time opportunity to make contact with something we don't understand. And according to the computer, it is over 400 feet long. Why why are you getting dressed in that bell suit? You're not going to leave this vessel, are you? I am prepared to do whatever it takes. And as he dressed... In a scuba suit that's only described in modern times as something you would wear not only under great pressure but under great temperatures. He exited the craft. I could hear him. The communication was fine. And as he got closer, the sound in my head stopped being a keening and started being this this music to my ears. This sad, almost poignant lullaby of, of pain. Goodbye. You're a good man. Return to the vessel. There's nothing that you can do here. Goodbye. The outside cameras worked for a while, and I was able to watch him go. He went into what can only be described as this undescribable black darkness. He reached out with his right hand, and the camera went blank. And the sound that came next was was of joy. The sound that it made was happiness, as if two things had been united that had been missing for decades. I turned the submersible around and headed back to the ship. The contact, the the music had pretty much ended. I could still hear it in my head, but I know it wasn't sound. As I exited the vessel and entered the submarine, I, 
I was scared because the first thing I saw was an ensign on the ground, blood dripping from his ears. He was covered head to toe. As I searched the rest of the ship, I found the captain. He too was dead, blood dripping from his ears, but the cigar still burning in his hand. I finished my search of the ship and I heard a sound as if a breach was coming. I locked the door to the torpedo room. I locked it well, but still I heard the noise and still I heard the song. All I had to do now was wait and breathe. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Black Vault. We release a new story every two weeks, and you can find them at our website at blackvault.net. This episode, still on patrol, was narrated by Paul Normandin and features Jessica Arger, Andreas Fabis, Brad Hawkins, Ryan Hill, and Roy Yannick as the cast of The Black Vault. Engineering and mixing by Lindsay McGowan. Editing by Peter Rogers with score consulting by Michael Yu and effects consulting by Cindy Page. Music by Nathaniel Rendon and Matt Reed for Scotch and Coda Productions. Tales from the Black Vault Season 2 theme by A Wayward. Tales from the Black Vault is produced by Peter Rogers and Lindsay McGowan for Terrible Old Productions. The Black Vault was originally directed by Mark Major at the Hideout Theater in Austin, Texas. Until next time, next time, the Vault, the vault is waiting, is waiting.